0: Welcome back to School Buzz. Um, I'm here at home stuck in the snow and my mom is here with me and I thought we would talk about what it's like to be an educator kind of across several decades because my mom started as a school teacher a while ago (laughs) and is now retired. Uh, We're stuck. It's the was well, two days after Christmas, right? Yeah. And it's been snowing, so she's been kept hostage here at my house. <laughs> Can't drive back to Camarillo, so I thought, oh, let's do a podcast together. So, uh, Mom, tell us just a little bit about when you started and
1: um, just like a little background. All right. Well, uh, if you'd like to know why I became a teacher when I was very young um, and I was looking at what I wanted to do for my life, My mother was a teacher, and that that influenced me. But I was also thinking that I might like to be a nurse. Sometime in the eighth grade, we took a field trip, and for some reason, we went to a university, and they took us through a morgue. I have a feeling they don't do that anymore, and I saw a dead person. And I looked at the dead person and thought, I think I'd rather work with live people. So I scratched nurse because there was... Uh, a high opportunity of dealing with dead people sometime there, and I decided to become a teacher. Uh, I, at that time, I didn't consider any other occupations. I, I felt that those were the two that were open to me. But it was a strong influence that my mother was a teacher, uh, and as a result, I became a teacher. Um, My husband was a teacher. My brother-in-law was a teacher. My daughter has been in in education. So I guess there's a gene there wandering around in our bloodstream. (laughs) No escape from from being a school teacher.
0: (laughs) Now you said grandma
1: was a, a teacher. When did she start teaching? My mother started teaching before she got married. And that would have been in the 1920s and 30s. And at that time when women went into teaching, they taught for a while, then they got married, and then they had their children, and they stayed home. And that is what my mother did, except that World War II was coming, and they needed a lot of men in the military, and many of the male teachers left, and they asked my mother if she would come back and teach at a local grammar school, and she did. Uh, an interesting thing was that during the war, uh, because all of the male uh, grammar school teachers had left, they asked my mother to be a principal. And so she took that ro- uh, role and was very successful in it. And then when the men came back, they thanked her for her service and returned <laughs> her to the classroom. you're good enough while the men are gone, right?
0: <laughs> so uh, Grandma was like one of the first female Principals in the state of California.
1: I, I think that she was yes. Yes. Very good. And she taught elementary school, right? She was uh, she had her whole uh, uh, Career in in the uh, grammar school um, And you taught what grades did you teach? I taught 9 through 12 and I always run into people who say uh, What grade level did you teach and I said 9 through 12 And they are always surprised. They thought, why do you want to teach that level? But if you're a teacher, there is a certain grade level that you like. I went into my mother's third grade uh, school uh, class one time and was there for a while and thought, I am never teaching this grade. (laughs) When I tell people that I taught the ninth graders to the twelfth graders, they tell me I'm never teaching that grade. So I think that teachers have to find the level that they like, and then just stay at that level.
0: I would agree, because when I first was going to go into education, I thought I wanted to be a, pre- a preschool teacher. And I'm like, oh, I like little kids. And then I went and visited a class, because that was a requirement, that you had to go and do an observation. And I went, and I'm like, oh, heck no, I am not doing this. These kids are way too little. And when I was teaching, I loved my sixth graders, just loved them. And one year, they needed me to go down to fifth grade. And I did it, I said, Nope. Too young, I can't do it, I, I like my, and I. when I first started, I thought I wanted younger kids, and I just like the the intelligence um, of sixth graders that they can actually do stuff, and they get sarcasm, and they're, they're fun to work with at, at that age.
1: Right, well, my mother's for, a favorite grade was the third grade. Uh, she was very happy with that. You mentioned kindergartners. I went into a kindergartner class once, and I had the same reaction as you. After about a half an hour, I thought, There is no way that I'm ever going to be a kindergarten teacher. So my hat goes off to all of you who are working in the kindergarten. You do a wonderful job, and it's a very difficult job.
0: It is. When I was a principal, I would go into kindergarten, and my limit was about 10 minutes. And my (laughs) teachers knew that. They're like, no, no, just come for this part right here because uh, they're adorable, wonderful. But, boy, the energy. Yes. And the dedication, because the the attention span is so short, you have to you've got to be on your feet the whole day long, and there's not a second where you can like sit down. Okay, everybody, open your books to page 15 because they don't <laughs> even know
1: what page 15 is. So, <laughs> or, 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 or do the mass chapter, and do all of the even numbered ones, and then I'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah. no such luck in kindergarten. So you've been in. You, when did you start as a teacher? Uh, I started in. Uh, when I was 22 years old, so that would have been 19, you can tell I didn't teach math, uh, <laughs> 1958. And what changes did you see
0: when you were a teacher from starting in the you know, late 50s until you were done
1: like in the 80s, right? That's when you retired? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, uh, no. No, I uh, retired in the, the 90s. Okay. So what changes did you see in education? Well, before we started, I'd like to tell you a little bit about the changes for women. Yes. Because when I was working, uh, my husband was going to school and I was working and we wanted to buy a house. And at that time, we couldn't uh, qualify at all because they wouldn't give a beginning female teacher a loan. Uh, they had the right to to say that I wasn't a secure loan because in all probability I would get pregnant and quit on them before the <laughs> loan was was paid and that's the same time that when women got their credit cards they got them in their husband's name and they did not issue credit cards to women in the woman's name even though she was paying the bill yeah because you were the one working right? right And so there were a lot of changes uh, the changes in education um, there really weren't very many women administrators at the high school level. They were particularly men and most of the uh, principals of high schools were, were men. Uh, in fact, as I began, I can't remember that I even ran into a female administrator. And now, of course, there are a lot of them mm-hmm. and doing very well. And that's nice to see that particular change. Well, when I first went in, teachers had a dress code. We do not have a dress code anymore. (laughs) Uh, And and the women were supposed to wear dresses, Mm -hmm. not pantsuits. They weren't in yet. And the men were supposed to have ties, uh, uh, good shirts, and a suit. Uh, I would imagine, too, too, they even checked to see if their shoes were sh- shining. Mm-hmm. And then over the years, that got less and less. And people, as the, the uh, clothing um, rules changed, they got more and more, um, may I say, uncouth? <laughs> <laughs> because I, I think that we really missed something because we've allowed all of this freedom. Uh, people look at some of the teachers that come in and they have uh, shorts on or they have a t-shirt on. I like the old days when we thought we were in a profession and we would dress as though we were professionals.
0: I, I, when I was a principal, I always told my teachers, I said, I want you to look like the teacher in the classroom, not the visiting parent, not the um, person from that came in to do a speech. You look like the teacher, and we're okay. And so, well, I'm not going to be specific with you, but you know what that looks like, and you know you you need to look like somebody will respect you when they walk in the room.
1: Right. Well, now I think if you, you tried to spruce up a teacher that needed sprucing up, you might run into trouble with a union that says uh, that person has the right to dress as he or she wants to. Yeah,
0: we, and we've, we've really relaxed what, you know, like I remember there was a time when Even recently, you couldn't have any color in your hair. It had to be a natural color. And Mm -hmm. now it's really popular to have pink hair or purple hair. And I've seen people like, it's super cute. I like it. Um, And so I know that that's something that we've relaxed. But still looking like the adult in charge, I think, is important.
1: Right. Well, another thing, too, is that uh, when I started teaching, I I taught for five years, and then uh, I became pregnant with my first child. And at that time, women were supposed to work for a couple of months, and then they were to gracefully bow out. <laughs> they, they could come back after they had a, a child, but they weren't really supposed to be hanging around going all the way through pregnancy. Um, we were poor because both my husband and I were teachers, and the pay was not that good, so I continued work. Uh, probably much to the horror of my principal who kept asking me, do you think it's time that you need to go home? I said, oh, no, I'm not ready yet. (laughs) And then uh, when I came back, my daughter was a, you you were a baby, and I came back to work and continued working. And that
0: was during, because I was born in the 60s, so that was not normal for women? Most women just stayed home after
1: they had kids? Uh, Most of them did, yes. I I think I was the only one that was working all the way through Uh and then coming back right afterwards.
0: Yeah, and that, that's always fun to be pregnant in the classroom when you don't, you know, have bathroom breaks on a regular basis.
1: That's a, that's a tough gig. Right, and uh, when I became an administrator, there were a lot of women that were were uh, pregnant, uh, and they had to deal with all of the changes, and they stayed, and I thought, this is a good idea for women. They, they you know, they lose out if they stay at home, and they lose their place in where they could go from then on because there are other women still working through.
0: Exactly, and, and if, in a
1: good environment with, you know, good health, they're, they're fine working
0: till yes. the, almost the very end. Yes, yes. Um, So what was your favorite role in education? Because you were a teacher, you were an administrator, mm-hmm. you did a
1: couple other things, so what did you like the best? Okay, okay. well, I was a teacher. I was. Uh, I then went into staff development and worked a while in there. Then I went back as an administrator, uh, as an assistant principal, and then I became a principal. Uh, I enjoyed all the roles. I think uh, this may hit with a lot of people. On your best days of teaching, when you're with the class and everything is going well and it's really working super, you think this is the best job in the world. Yes. <laughs> To compensate for the times when it all falls apart yeah. <laughs> and you feel, maybe I should have stayed home that day. Yeah, that, is that, and
0: that's really the truth. When it's great in teaching, it's like like perfection. It's just so much fun with the kids. And then there are days where you think, oh my gosh, I might hurt these children. I better stay home.
1: You know? <laughs> well, and, and if you're in teaching and you don't ever have any of those days of uh, high glory, and probably teaching is not for you because you should be feeling some of those days. Not not
0: every day right. is
1: is going to be good. Uh, I did like being uh, an administrator. I had a niece that had taught for years and loved being a teacher, and I said to her, "You know, maybe it's time that you ought to be an administrator." She said, "But I love working with kids." And I said, "Yes, but as an administrator, you get to work with." teachers mm-hmm. who are adults so that are trying to learn the art of teaching and i think that you would enjoy that level the problem with being an administrator is that there are, there's a lot of the business yes. of of uh, working and all of the meetings that you have to go through and so the joys of working with a teacher and seeing that teacher blossom that that's a great time too but you don't have as much opportunity as you would like to to be able just to do that.
0: Yeah, and that was when I became a principal was something I, I had the, I had a fabulous staff season. They knew what they were doing willing to try new things and that was the joy that i had was going into classrooms and maybe Mm -hmm. giving a a couple of pointers or seeing just a great lesson and like oh you you hit that perfectly that's exactly now i need somebody else to come and observe you doing that because i need other people to be doing that um but yeah i i like that role too of being a principal and Mm -hmm. kind of your own little island as an administrator that you have this group and you really have that camaraderie with the teachers and really kind of all moving towards what, you know,
1: helping kids be successful and graduate. And that's right. a, a, a This is yet. kind of like your happy kingdom, like the Disneyland. Yeah. just <laughs> for you when you can design it and hope that it all turns out super? Yeah, kind of like, you know, your classroom, you get to design your classroom. School, you get to design. When
0: you get to the district office, you don't get to design very much. You're uh-huh. just, there's so many legal things and meetings. And yes. I, I enjoy my role a great deal. I'm super lucky to have the role that I have because mm-hmm. it, like, fits me to a T. Um, but if I was doing something else at the district office, I'm not sure I would be as happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that one of the changes I've seen in education is um, the way we discipline children. Yes. Um, we used to, a long time ago, if you were a problem child, you got kicked out, went to reform school, and mm-hmm. that was the end of you. Um, and we don't really do that anymore, and that makes that classroom kind of tough sometimes. Mm-hmm. But understanding that kids are coming from trauma and helping them get through it instead of just labeling kids as bad mm-hmm. and kicking them out. Um, that used to happen. I mean, before 1972, if you were a child with special needs, you didn't go to the public school. You went to a private school, you went to a church school. Um, but just the inclusion, I think that we've had, we, we've, we've experienced of having all kinds of different kids come in and then understanding that some kids are coming from trauma and having to work with that mm-hmm. instead of just kicking kids out, yeah. which makes a teacher's job difficult but also um, that moral obligation to raise children, to see children as children and help them all the way through. I think that's, that's a big change and um, I think so important for our society.
1: Right. Uh, when I was a principal, we had a, a special ed unit that carried uh, students who were severely handicapped. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, In fact, they would never be able to leave uh live a normal life. They would always have to be under supervision. But it was nice to see that even uh, on an educational campus, there was room for them. I would imagine for many of them, it was the high point of their day that they got to go someplace rather than sitting in their room. Right. And and be with the other kids
0: and see, go to the basketball game and, and be part of a community. I think that's a that's an important part of school. I think at as people get older and they leave school, Mm -hmm. they tend to stay in their own environment without mixing with a lot of diverse people Mm -hmm. or diverse classes. And at school, we have that opportunity to help everybody kind of learn about each other. And I think that's an important part of of public education. Right. Um, So did you tell us your favorite role was teaching? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um,
1: What advice do you have for teachers going into the profession? Okay. Well, first off, please don't go into education because you can't figure out what else you want to do. And you, you think that there's our summer times when you'll have great times and you can leave early. Yeah, uh, uh, You can race to, to beat the kids out of the parking lot. Yes. Uh, the education really doesn't need people like that. I, I want you to go into education because you have a, a feeling for it that you think you can make a difference. And that you get enjoyment about what you do. Uh, I think that's number one. Uh, Number two is teaching is hard work. Yes, it is. (laughs) If you are going to be a a good teacher, it's going to take a lot of your time. Uh, I was an English teacher. There were many times that... When I had my, my kids, they were in the house with my husband, and I was out in the car correcting my papers because it was the only quiet place that I, I could uh, be in.
0: I, I remember that, and
1: knocking on the car door, <laughs> Mom, come in the house. Like, I'm writing papers. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, and I want you, I, I hope that if you choose to be an educator, you do you do experience the joy of it. And if you don't get the joy from it, then there's something else. Life is too short to to do the same thing. If you're doing the same lesson plan over and over, um, you're not learning. You should be learning from your teaching as well as as teachers do. Uh, I had a, a, a teacher that I was working with and he told me that he had already written his lesson plans for the whole year. And if you asked him for any year, what he was doing on day 78, he could tell you because he was going to get there. It would be nice if the kids could do that for you, but they they don't. Uh, Things come up, things happen in in society, maybe your your, uh, town is going through some bad problems, Um, and you have to be able to adjust in the situation. Right, you're teaching kids, you're not teaching content, and you have to make sure that you adjust it to them so they learn. I was in the classroom when President Kennedy uh, was uh, uh, killed, and I can remember the days after that, I don't care what you wanted to teach, you had to address what was going on because they were really devastated. Exactly,
0: exactly, and I remember being in a classroom and snow is falling down, and I don't care what you want to do, you're not teaching that day, because the kids can't concentrate, and to gauge what you know your kids need, mm-hmm. I think is so important, so if you have to slow down, and talk about what's going on in the world, that's that's learning too. That's
1: right, and if it's right before Christmas, and, and you have something really important to teach, you, you might want to introduce it at a different yes. time because uh, the mood is not in in learning it's in enjoying the moment i was listening to another podcast and they said that right before christmas is a great time to
0: introduce something and then remember you're going to have to teach it in january <laughs> okay. again because they're not going to remember anything um, but just maybe to try something new mm-hmm. with them because they're so excited they even i'm sure in high school they're excited and mm-hmm. don't want to learn anything new right
1: uh, and as you, you, you want me to, the advice for prim- principals, um, I, I would like to remind the principals that they're there to guide the people, the teachers, to become better teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the hardest things to do is to deal with a teacher that you know is in the wrong profession. Yeah. Uh, every day is a misery for that, that person, and it's also a misery for all the students that have him or her. And that's one of your responsibilities. It's very tricky to work with. Mm -hmm. um, But there are people that should not be teachers. Uh, There are people that should not be working with children. Right. And when you are the principal, you're the first line of defense in that. And it's your job. It's your job. To either help
0: them improve or to realize that maybe there's something else for them. That's
1: right. It is not a pleasant time. Yeah.
0: But it goes with the job. And I think that's really, I had a teacher that I had to counsel out of the profession. And it's not that you're not a bad person. This isn't the job that's going to make you happy and be successful. So if this doesn't make you happy every day, then there are other things. So you can be an engineer, you can be a a policeman, you can be a lot of things, but this is not the right job. I had a teacher who loved children, but didn't teach. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, so I want you to do something that's with children. But if you're not willing to teach every day, maybe a camp counselor, maybe, you know, a, a, you know, something where you get to have fun with kids, run mm-hmm. a daycare. Mm-hmm. Um, but education, where you have to get ready for tests and you have to, you know, meet deadlines. This
1: is not the job for you. I had to deal with teachers who would say, well, I taught, but they didn't learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you have to go over the, that it's a two-way process. If you gave out some information but it was not received, that's still your responsibility to go back and see why it didn't work and how you can do it differently yeah. because the object is that these students will learn. And it isn't a checklist, yeah. done that, whether you got on board or not, forget it, you're too late and we're moving on to something else. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's a tough thing because you
0: think, oh, well, I've got to get through this curriculum. I've got to get to here. But uh, you got to bring the kids with you.
1: Right. Uh, when I was teaching, we had a lot of freedom about what we wanted to do in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just telling you that uh, uh, a fellow teacher and I got a whole unit at the junior level preparing some of these boys to go to the, the first dance of junior high and how they could order Uh, food off the menu, how they figured out a tip, how they put put a, a corsage on the girl. And these were young people had no experience going out to a restaurant or anything. Now, I was teaching English, but I figured that I got my English in and they were learning skills that they needed to know. Right, yeah. And, and probably were appreciative because with that skill
0: of pinning on a corsage is pretty difficult, <laughs> <laughs> or tying a tie. Some of our boys don't know how to tie a tie. Right. That's, you know, something that, and they're interested in learning that. Yes. You know, sometimes they're not so interested in Romeo and Juliet. But. Yes. Um,
1: yes. <laughs> um, I have a, a suggestion too for people at the upper end, uh, as the, the superintendent level. Um, okay, Michelle, listen up. Uh, I've heard of uh, districts that hire people uh, from the outside that were never really in education Mm -hmm. but, but decided to go into that level, and it always amazed me because I think that if you are out of the classroom and in a different level that affects education, you have to know what it's like to teach. Oh, yeah. Um, there are times when you get burned out. I know after the 10th year, it was kind of, am I doing the same thing over again? Romeo and Juliet again? <laughs> and and uh, I, I think if you haven't done that, then you can't understand when a, a teacher comes and if a teacher says, I need help. If you haven't gone through the teaching, how are you going to do that? Well, I think if you are in the um, district office, and I'm not talking about the business manager, because yeah. that's a special skill. But if you're in the di- the district office and you have not taught, how can you tell the principal to work with this teacher except for go fix her or go fix him? And you don't know how to fix it yourself. Right. And I think that's, that's I've heard of superintendents that come in and they're
0: not, They've never been a teacher. They've been like in business. And that makes absolutely no sense because education, if you don't know how a classroom works and what teachers have to go through and how hard they work, then you don't really know anything about education. Now you can be like managing, you know, this square goes in this, you know, peg, but that's not what education is about. It's about kids and it's about how they learn. And if you haven't experienced that, then you don't know what's going on. And I think one of the best advice I got from a former superintendent was, Um, I wanted to go to the district office. And he said, no, you have to be a principal first. You have to be a site administrator, because if you haven't been, no one respects you because you don't know what it's like to run a school. And it was the best advice I ever got, because Mm -hmm. if you have never sat in the shoes of a vice principal or a principal Mm -hmm. and, you know, had that parent yelling at you (laughs) and having to deal with crazy stuff going on buses late from a field trip, just insane stuff you don't know what it's like and the pressures that a principal's under and knowing how hard they work and how you can support them when you come because really i believe the district office needs to be supporting all the way down to that classroom it's not about the district office support supporting itself it's about the kids in the classroom how can you help
1: that teacher how can you help that principal how can you make sure everything they've got all all the tools that they need and i've also worked with administrators who have only taught for two or three years Mm -hmm and they are ambitious and they get the credentials and they're working their way up. To learn to be a teacher, you don't learn it in two or three years. You have to be in there for quite a long time. And in fact, I think you never ever really complete your training as a teacher. Every year you are going to learn new things. And if you are have only worked as a teacher for two or three years, I don't think you've experienced enough to go to then be a vice principal or principal and uh, help somebody, Uh, especially if you're working with a teacher who is an older teacher and is facing a little bit of burnout. You don't know that. Yeah.
0: And that, that can be tough when you, especially if you're a new administrator mm-hmm. and you only had a few years in the classroom and you come up with to a 20 year veteran and you're going to tell them how to uh-huh. fix their lesson. They're probably going to go, ah, uh, listen, junior. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, that, are yeah, right. I think that experience in the classroom is invaluable for moving up. Mm-hmm. Um, it is important because there are things you encounter. Like if you haven't had a child with special needs in your class, or you haven't had a parent that's just really unwilling to work with you. Yeah. Um, those are all experiences that kind of you put them in your tool belt, and you learn how to deal with the next thing that comes mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you have for parents? Because parents are a big part of our educational community. Yeah. What would you have for them?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I've worked in several schools, and in the one of the first schools was in a community where they valued education. The parents were interested in what happened to their children. They wanted to know how How they could participate to make sure that this was a better experience for their their children, but I've also worked in communities where the the population is trying to survive, right, and kind of wants the school to take over a lot of the function of raising uh, this child Mm -hmm. because the survival is taking up all of their energy, right, and so I would wish that more parents would realize that raising their children is probably the most important thing that they will ever do. Uh, And I know life is hard. Life is hard for a lot of people. Um, But if you don't pay attention to your children and want to help them, uh, you're missing out on your your biggest obligation you have. you, you need to work with the school. Now, I know that parents, because as an administrator, I've had parents come in and I'm, and they have said, I can't work with that teacher, doesn't understand my kid. I want him out of that class. And there are situations when a student needs to, to go into another class. Right, yes. But I want the parents to come in with the feeling of this this school, these teachers, these administrators, are here to help me and I'm going to to go in with the attitude of I'm here to be a part of the team and we can all work together.
0: When you get that mad parent it's just you know, you've been mean to my kid and like no 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 one wants to be mean to your yeah. child we want yeah. to do the best that we can for them and and maybe this teacher is not the best match right. um, and we'll work with you as much as best we can but Come in knowing that we we want to help your kid. We're not. No one is against your child here at school. We want your child to be successful. That's our number one goal every
1: single day. And, and there are some difficult household situations. Uh, you know, drugs have played a, a major detrimental uh, effect on education, and it may be that this child is not even living with any of the parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe living with a distant relative or just somebody who can take care of this kid for a while and, and whoever is operating in the, the function as a parent needs to come in with that same attitude of we've got to work together. We have a problem and we need to solve it and we're all going to do our part. And let us know when you're in trouble because uh, schools
0: have a lot of resources and if you, I know it's embarrassing for parents to say, you know, hey, we don't we need some help right now mm-hmm. um i know lots of people because of pride they don't want to do that they don't want to yeah. look like they need help but schools have a lot of resources we had a little boy recently um the teacher noticed he was wearing the same clothes all the time um and was wearing clothes that weren't appropriate for him like they looked like they were girls clothing and they he's a boy mm-hmm. and so they finally asked him what what's going on with you well his he's living with his sister His mom had come and stole all his clothes to sell, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and he didn't have any clothes. And they didn't have money right then to buy him some new clothes because they were waiting for some money. And the school said, "We'll help you. Well, we got places we can go and get you some clothes." The teachers at that school, God bless them, went and bought him shoes and everything he needed. And the the sister was just so grateful. But we have some we have resources to help. And if you will just let us know what your situation is. We'll do stuff for you. We want to help your kids.
1: At the high school level, you know, when the proms come up, uh, there are always places where you can go and get a prom dress. It's been used before, but it's in good condition, or, or uh, you can get some help to, for the, the males to get them dressed up. Maybe somebody has a does have a tie <laughs> that can help. Uh, 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 we've had kids who've had trouble. They don't have enough underwear. Right. So, there are a lot more resources nowadays yes. than there was before. There's also a lot more help for children when they're younger about learning to read and, right. and learning the basic skills that, that they can they have to master before they can get into well, it. You just gave me a great segue, Mom.
0: <laughs> we just purchased um, in our district a program called Footpath. Footprints to Brilliance, and it's a free program for parents in everybody in Lancaster School District. Actually, Lancaster City can have it, not just our district, and it's from zero to five, and it's all about learning to count, learning your ABCs, learning songs, Mm -hmm. learning nursery rhymes, which are important for kids to learn, Um, and it's free for every single parent, Um, and they can download it on their phone, on their tablet, and it doesn't have to have um, wi-fi, which is a fantastic thing, but just spending 10 And it's not, you put your kid on it, you walk away. It's 10 minutes with them on your lap, looking at these programs, talking with them, learning how to count. Um, But just that kindergarten readiness, if our kids came in knowing their ABCs and knowing how to count to 10 and knew their name, we would be so ahead of the game in kindergarten because um, many kids come in with those skills and then a lot of kids don't come in with those skills and you're kind of filling back holes that need to be filled in for kids. Right. Well,
1: uh, the parent is the first teacher. That's right. And the critical teacher. Yes. Yeah. You get to start the whole business of what your child is going to do. Right. So you have to be up there for them. And it doesn't mean you have to be a genius. No. No,
0: just talking to them every day is
1: shown to increase the vocabulary. And singing with
0: them and, you know, just counting things. Like I remember when um, our nephew was here with your grandson. And we were like, which cup do you want? Do you want the blue cup or the green cup? Yeah. And my sister-in-law was like, Oh, I can tell you people are educators.
1: (laughs) You know, one of the things that happened was I was in education at the time that computers came in. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was an English teacher. I was the chair of the English department, and, uh, and I worked with the chair of the math department. And we got to decide which computers we were going to use. And one of the salesmen took us out to to lunch, and we were very surprised because we we never got to go anymore for lunch. (laughs) And he was selling Ataris. I I wonder how many of you remember Ataris. (laughs) And that's what we put in at the beginning. Uh, And when we first put uh, these computers in the classroom, the teachers, a lot of the teachers were afraid of them. They were afraid they were gonna break them. Mm And actually the same problem still. We still have teachers that are afraid of technology and are, are afraid to put kids on. I'm like, give against the technology. But the kids aren't afraid. No. Uh, I was teaching a basic remedial class, and when I took my kids in, they just tackled everything, and we were just in awe. Uh, and as it got more and more uh, technical, uh, I now have to co- to uh, depend on uh, my grandchildren uh, d- to teach me because there are things, and they keep changing these computers. Oh, yeah. uh, that that's the cry of uh, of us who are a little bit older. That you know, once we've learned it, we don't want to learn anything new. Just don't change it. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen anymore. <laughs> that's right. And so you have to hunt down somebody who's willing to be your teacher. And in many cases, it's going to be the youngest. Yeah. Seven
0: <laughs> that seven-year-old. Yeah. Grandma, this is how this works. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thanks, Mom, for c- coming in. I have a new track that uh, Cody Lewis from Armagosa Creek gave us. The kids are playing a number from Frozen 2, so please enjoy that, and uh, have a great day.